Hey everyone, welcome back to the Potter's House, the podcast where we discuss how biblical topics, church life, and current events impact our everyday lives. My name is Marcus Ionescu and I'm your host, and today we're joined by a very special guest, Mr. Robert Tiff. Robbie, how's it going today, man? Good, doing great, blessed. How are you doing? Good, man. Tired. Uh, I think I'm a little rusty, haven't recorded in a little while, as I mentioned earlier. And uh, But I'm excited. I'm excited to get back uh, into recording, getting back into the swing of things. And uh, I'm excited for the topic that we have today. So thank you so much for agreeing to be on. I really appreciate it. Of course. I'm nervous, man, to be uh, accepted to come on your podcast. Huge honor. So praise God for that. Amen. The honor's all mine, brother. Um, but before we jump into anything too, um, I guess, proper and official, uh, mm-hmm. why don't we... Or why don't you introduce yourself, considering there might be a few people out there who don't know you. Uh, take the next however much amount of time you want to use yeah. to introduce yourself. Yeah, sure. Uh, there would be a lot of people that probably don't know me. I'm just a simple man from Sacramento. Uh, nothing crazy about me. Just uh, I serve at Victory Romanian Christian Center in Sacramento. Just a man that loves studying the Word of God. And so I guess that's why I'm here. So praise God for that. Awesome, and also a man who is passionate about this particular subject, and we're gonna we're gonna jump into the origins of that in in just a couple moments here. But before we do that, I do want to make a couple of announcements for the episode or the podcast itself. Um, as many of you know, if you're uh, returning listeners, uh, you can find us on our Instagram account at the Potter's House for any and all updates. Uh, if there's anything going on, if there's anything new, that's where it will be posted first. Um, also regarding streaming. Uh, we're available on pretty much almost all of the platforms out there, most notably on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you do have an, uh, an iPhone and you have that Apple Podcasts app, that purple icon, uh, if you haven't done it already, I know I say this every single time, click on that app, uh, subscribe to the podcast, The Potter's House, if you haven't done it that already, and uh, scroll down, tap the stars. It really helps the exposure of the show. And uh, if you want, you can leave a written review as well. And if you do that, I will read that out loud on the show. Also, as I've mentioned uh, so far this year on Spotify, they have a new update where you can leave a five-star rating on Spotify. So uh, I've I've been seeing those numbers go up, so that's great. Thank you guys for doing it. Uh, For those of you who have not already, and I've already done the Apple Podcast one, it would take you literally two seconds. Go to Spotify, go to the Potter's House and uh, click those five stars. Again, really helps with the exposure of the show, and I really appreciate you guys. As far as announcements, I think that's it, if I can remember off the top of my head. But, uh, Robbie, we met a couple years ago, I think. I don't know. I feel like we, we've seen each other mm-hmm. at events, and it's it's yeah. th- and they all these events blend, like bleed together. Like I'm like, uh-huh. where yeah, was yeah, I? Yeah. I have to like remember a <laughs> national monument next to it or something. Like, okay, <laughs> we were there, or we were there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as I've gotten to know you over these last couple of years, obviously ex- almost identical to what you described yourself as in your uh, little introduction, uh, a man who's after the Bible, you know your stuff, and uh, in recent months, and this is what kind of stirred me to kind of not only not only ask you to be on this particular episode, because I've had my own uh, convictions about this particular subject, and I, and I, I do want to share what, what I believe on it. Um, and, and not what we believe in particular, but what, what the Bible says, which is most Amen. important. Um, but it's something that you've been really passionate about, too. And uh, if you guys have not read the title of the episode, we're talking about uh, this broad subject of false teachers, how to identify them, how to address them, uh, how to 
recognize and differentiate between the two and uh, what steps we need to take um, to, to handle the situation. And more importantly, um, to emphasize the importance of taking action because uh, if, if we were to follow what God's word says when, um, you know, Paul's writing to the first century church, I mean, we would have kicked out a lot of people or we would have handled the situations mm. very differently uh, than, you know, compared to what we do nowadays uh, under yeah. the guise of showing, quote unquote, showing love, you know, and I do right, want to talk right, a little right. bit about that. But before we get too crazy into this, uh, how did you uh, get involved in this topic? How did you become so passionate about speaking out on your Instagram stories for like 20 different stories in a row about this particular subject? <laughs> what stirred you? Yeah, I would say what stirred me was honestly, uh, it's it's progressive. It's getting to know the word of God, honestly, because growing up, I always had this sort of zeal for for being closer to God, for being more spiritual, but I did not have a firm foundation on the word of God. And as I began to read the word of God, and as I began to study the word of God, as I began to listen to godly preachers and men of God, I started beginning to see discrepancies between what I believed and what scripture said. And so the more I saw of that and the more I saw the nature of what scripture is and what it proclaims and the nature of how we do church and the nature of how, you know, just in, in broad terms, how Christianity is today, I saw there's, there's so, many, so much discrepancy. And then specifically about this topic, scripture is actually overwhelmingly clear and there's so much scripture on it, right? Um, one of the things that you often hear is this false dichotomy between uh, like you were saying, showing love or, or being united and, you know, not rebuking, not being divisive, you know, as if, as if to call out or to contradict anything or to, to call anything by name is, is just being divisive, you know, uh, and is ungodly and unchristlike. And it's, that's extremely ironic because if you look at the life of Jesus, he was extremely divisive in one sense, you know, mm -hmm. he himself said, I did not come to bring peace, but to bring a sword. You know, and so there's so many things that just started standing out to me. And I said, look, the, na the nature of, of scripture is so different from what uh, popular Christian belief is, especially on the subject. And so that kind of um, that kind of got me going in a sense, you know. Yeah, and there's a very popular quote by uh, Warren Wiersbe, and he says, truth without love is brutality, but love without truth is hypocrisy. Mm. So it's in a sense like you have to have both. And if we are yeah, born a, if we are born again Christians, we do have that love. And 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 when mm -hmm. when we're making our case in this episode, we're not neglecting love. We're not neglecting being nice to one another. However, yeah. it should not be at the expense of truth. And right. and the the I guess this, the great thing about the gospel is that it is the most unifying and divisive mm -hmm. thing right. ever. It right. unifies. You know, the Holy Spirit unifies the people, the body of Christ, the, mm -hmm. the sons and daughters of God. But it's also very divisive because it, it draws this very clear-cut line mm -hmm. between the sheep and the wolves, between those who yeah. believe and those who don't believe. Or right. even according to Scripture, those who are with us versus those who were just among us at that time, mm -hmm. who right. had this facade right. of, of being, of being a, a believer and a follower of Christ. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, we're not neglecting that portion of it. And, and, and we're basically saying, like, attacking this particular issue, this topic with, uh, you know, saying that we don't love, we don't do this. I mean, it's, it's irrelevant because 
um, you know, scripture tells us otherwise. And that's not what we're yeah. preaching. We're not preaching uh, just be cutthroat and not show love. No, obviously, yeah. we are to show love as well as Christ loved yeah. us. We, we're to love, um, you know, the world and the, the people. Not, not the world. Sorry. Let me let me clarify. First John chapter two says, "Do not love the world as far as the world system, but we are right. to love the world as far as the people, the souls in right. yes. in the, over there." Um, but yeah, I I think it's something that I've been kind of uh, you know thinking about too, and uh, and I'm sure. I mean, it's it's. It's made a lasting impact on you as well because I mean I saw those stories I saw you getting fired up, and unfortunately we have a lot of influencers out there who are pushing their agenda who are um, I guess making waves with this with this uh, new either prosperity gospel or or universalism whatever they're preaching but I mean I've seen people on Instagram I heard about that guy even recently a couple weeks ago there was this TikTok evangelist this very popular TikTok evangelist. Oh, yeah. Uh, who went to Moody Bible Institute, by the way, right? And, right, and right. he said, Jesus is not the only way to salvation yeah. or to heaven. I mean, I mean, that guy's crazy, man. That is that, that is crazy. that is heresy. I mean, the Bible yeah. even says oh, in First Peter chapter two about how there will be in the end times people will come mm. and basically denounce uh, Christ in a way. I mean, I, I forgot the exact mm. wording, but. But it's crazy, and we have people all around us. And I think, honestly, and I'm sure you agree, this is why we need to take a stand. Yeah, yeah. I would go even a step further, going back to the point of love, and I would say the reason why we are even doing this podcast is because of love. And we have to ask the question: Well, we are to be a loving people. Who are we to love? And primarily, we're to love God, and we're to love His Word. Yeah. And so, as people that love God and love His Word, you know, we're going to be people that protect His Word, right? And so when wolves come in and try to attack his truth and also attack his people, his precious bride. We, as a people that love this God and love his bride, are to be a people that stand up to it, right? We're not going to be passive to it. So, again, it's it's this false dichotomy of, well, it, it's almost as if, like, well, I, I'm either going to be loving or I'm going to call out false doctrines. No, it's, it's the same thing, you know? If you really love God and if you really love his word, you have to call out. It's a necessity, you know? And, and I want to clarify as well, look, we're going to be discussing a lot about calling out false teachers in this podcast, but in no way, shape or form am I saying that the primary act of a Christian is to do this, right? Like that is not the overwhelming picture us daily calling out every little thing that we see. And, you know, but at the same time, if you are a Christian, it is of necessity that you do do that to some degree. And, and we're going to see that in scripture as well today. So you know, I, I want I want to clarify that as well. No, that's good. That's good. And as as we kind of kick things off over here, um, I know you wanted to mention something regarding uh, church history. I guess that's that's a good segue to kind of tie this all together. But what do you have on that? Yeah, you know, I'm very passionate about this as well, church history, because uh, the more I learned about it, I realized just how little we know about it. And when I say we, I'm talking about general Christianity, but also us as remaining Pentecostals, you know. Uh, I learned very little about it growing up. And um and, and it's something that I lament, the fact that we don't know our roots, you know, uh, started reading throughout church history a couple of years ago. And what I quickly discovered, I discovered a few things, but um, just seeing that every age, every generation in church history, they always had to deal with what Romans 12 talks about as uh, describes as the spirit of the age. Right. So every generation, every age, there was always outside influences in the world, worldly influences that try to come into the church and to influence the church, you know, and, and you saw it everywhere. I mean, 
even godly men struggle with it to some degree, right? They, they protect it against it in so many various forms, but then they let it in in another way, you know? And so it, it's this call to be vigilant, you know? Um, and the thing is, that has not changed today. You know, we see strands of the, the ideas of this world coming into our church today. Uh, many, many strands, I think. And I think we're going to be discussing it later on as well. Postmodernism, uh, pragmatism is huge, especially in the youth, uh, in the Romanian Pentecostal youth. Uh, it's all of these things. But what really gets me going about church history is going back to the Reformation. Us as Pentecostals, we trace our roots back to the Reformation in the 1600s. And that whole Reformation was fueled by this principle of sola scriptura, right? So uh, think about, let me set the stage for a little bit, right? You had the Catholic Church uh, that was preaching all the things they were preaching. People did not have the Bibles in their hands readily available. And they didn't even have it mostly uh, in their language, you know? So the printing press gets invented sometime in the 1400s. Uh, people start translating the Bible into their language. And so now the common person begins to have the Bible in their hands, you know? And they start reading scripture and they're like, wait a minute, you know, like everything that the Catholic church is teaching or a lot of it is actually contrary to the, what the word of God says. And so you begin to have a, a set of people that were basically students of the word of God and prized scripture so highly that they began to look in every area of their life and say and ask this question, how can I glorify God by keeping his commandments in every sphere of my life? You know, So in every domain of their life, they were like, okay, how do I conform to scripture? You know, and so you had these people that were passionate about scripture. Um, and, and let me give you a couple examples. Um, just to what degree these people went to, to protect the word of God and, and how passionate they were about these things compared to what I would describe as the cowardice of today when it comes to truth. You have a person like William Tyndale who was strangled and burned. His body was burned after he was strangled. Why? Because he decided to translate from the original Greek to English, the Bible. Um, that was something that was uh, controversial for the government and controversial for the church at the time because they wanted to grab a hold of power, you know? But William Tyndale, wanted the people to know the word of God. And so he decided to go on and do this. And he had multiple chances to recant from this and to stop doing this. And he was passionate about it. And, and he loved God's word so much that he was willing to sacrifice his own life for this. You have another example of John Huss who preceded Martin Luther and the Reformation. And this man started reading against scripture and started preaching and he started speaking against indulgences. Um, this idea that you can buy forgiveness by paying some monetary uh, value to the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church was angered by this and so starts going after John Huss and many, many times giving the opportunity to recant, to go back on this, right? To stop speaking about this. But John Huss saw like, no, this is contrary to the word of God. And so if, if this is God's word and if I love God, I'm not going to stop speaking about this, right? He was burned at the stake and tradition tells us that while he was burning, he was singing songs praises to his God while he's burning you know so we have examples like these and we're going to think about like the temptation for us is think about these men and say well these are great men of God um you know it has nothing to do with us they're just great men I, I'm nothing like this but you know like like Paul Asher says there are no there's no such thing as great men of God they're just weak men uh used by a great God you know mm-hmm. and, and I think that could be true of us as well like it, given the circumstances filled with the power of the Holy Spirit us as people that are filled with the spirit ought to go to, to great lengths to protect the word of God and to advance God's kingdom. Right. And, and, and so these are examples that we can use in our lives. I think, you know, that we should be passionate about the truth of God. We should not allow people to come in and to, and to destroy and to, you know, speak lies of our God and to lead our own people astray. We should be passionate about these things and, and we should be passionate about scripture. So and that was kind of my thing on, on church history. But uh, overall, basically what I'm trying to say is if you look throughout church history, there's so many examples of 
godly men that went through to great lengths to 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 preach the word of God, right? And, and things came up, and and they were dogmatic about it, and they said, "No, I love my God, and I love Scripture, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna stand firm in this," you know. And they they weren't led astray. So uh, that's an example that we can use today as well, you know. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. And um, obviously, for them, uh, they had their own methods of recognizing the false teachings of that day, the false mm-hmm. teachings of the Catholic Church. Now, let's fast forward 500 years where we're, you know, mm-hmm. we're here in the present, we're here today. Um, for the person out there, maybe there's an audience member who um, is either a new convert or maybe isn't well-versed in the scriptures or maybe um, is completely oblivious to everything that's going on regarding uh, these big Christian figures and influencers who are just saturating their content on social media. Um, right. How do we today uh, discern who is a false teacher and who is not a false teacher? How do we today, like our forefathers 500 years ago, identify false teachings and false mm-hmm. teachers? Yeah, short answer to that is is you get to know the Word of God. But it's, in a sense, so much more complicated than that. And I would point us to Ephesians chapter 4 at this point because – uh, this passage kind of answers that question in a sense. And allow me to read, please. Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, let's start from verse 11. And bear with me here. And it says this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and cared about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way in him who is the head into Christ Jesus and it goes on. So, right, discussing that, we, we saw here what it says in verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by every wind uh, of doctrine, by human cunning, right? So to answer that question, how are we going to be a people that are not tossed to and fro? Well, the Lord has provided the means, and the, the means that have been provided are these people, uh, like the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers. And so one of the things that we can so uh, not emphasize, I guess you could say, is the importance of the local church. Mm-hmm. And the importance of having godly teachers in your life, that, that is extremely important. And you see some of these great men that I respect a lot. Um, I'm just going to throw some names out there, like Paul Washer, Vadi Bakum. These guys, I really look up to them. But all of them will say this. At one point, even Vadi Bakum said, I did not, I did not want to publish my sermons online because people would start listening to my sermons at the expense of their local pastor. You know, There's such an emphasis for these guys about you having that relationship with the godly man, with the godly pastor, shepherd in your life that can hold you accountable, that can teach you the word of God, right? And, and that you're accountable to. You know, and, and that's kind of the way that scripture instructs us uh, to do life is that we are to rely upon elders. You go to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4 and then you turn the page to Titus chapter one, and there's these qualifications for eldership, you know? And in fact, let me just read it real quick. Um, Cause it's very interesting what it says. Verse five says, this is why I left you increased so that you might put what remain into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed, you know? So these elders are here to put order, to, to bring order to the church. And then it goes on to all of these things. And verse nine says, uh, one of the qualifications for an elder says he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he might be able to give instruction in sound doctrine. And then check this out, right? What we're talking about tonight, tonight as well. It says, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So how are we going to be people that are rooted in the word of God and that are not tossed to and fro? Well, 
God has provided the means, and that is through godly men that will shepherd you, that can teach you sound doctrine, but also rebuke you and correct you when you're going off straight. So that's so important. I, I really think that we should emphasize that as well. And would you say, like, let's say, and this is not obviously a concrete answer because this is just speculation, but do you think there's a correlation between uh, a young person, or maybe, I don't know, a young Christian, let's just say a young Christian, who is quite susceptible to false teachings, would you say there's a correlation between that Mm -hmm. and then them, that person, not having a strong pastoral figure in their life? Do you think think that could uh, happen quite often? Yeah, I mean, of course, as as newborn Christians, I mean, I think all of us can relate to this. If we look back, I mean, personally, if I look back a year, two, three, four, whenever I look back in history of my life, I'm like, man, I really believe that. I really thought that, you know, I mean, we're constantly growing as people. And when you first start off as a baby in Christ, you're wrong on all sorts of things. Right. And so, um, I mean, I guess this is pertinent to the discussion that we're having. Right. Calling out false teachers. If we have a baby in Christ, we're to be extremely gentle to that person, understanding that they're new in the faith, right? Um, and we should try to be there for them and help them and teach them the word of God. Um, and so, for example, the, the internet can be a blessing, but it can also be a curse. And so on the internet, there's a lot of good teaching, but there's also a lot of heresy. So for a newborn Christian, right, he's going to look on the internet and there's going to be a whole sort of false teaching. And he's very susceptible to those things. That's where it's so important to have godly people in his life, elders that can say, and even name drop, like specific name drop, like, hey, this guy is a false teacher. Don't listen to him, right? I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, backhand you because you're you're following this guy. You you don't know better at this point of life, right? But I'm gonna help you out by name calling this person. I'm gonna help you out by teaching you the correct way. So again, yeah, I, I would say that it's so important to have godly people in your life. And if you don't, I don't see how um, you're gonna survive in this world. In a sense, you know, it's so important. Yeah, it's interesting because the Bible uses um, this metaphor of of Christ as the shepherd and us, you know, uh, his followers as sheep. Mm-hmm. However, I think sh- the sheep come in different shapes, sizes, ages, maturity levels. Right. And the baby right. sheep not only have to stay close to the shepherd, but need to be huddled around the more adult, mature sheep, mm. um, especially yeah. reliable ones, ones that will protect yeah. them, ones that will kind of... Um, obviously the, all the sheep are susceptible. The the shepherd is the one that's protecting, Mm -hmm. but you gotta, you gotta stay with the flock. You know, it's, it's dangerous Mm -hmm. for the, for the small sheep to go out there because, um, obviously they, they are weaker. Uh, obviously not not to give too much credit to the rest of the sheep because they're all, you know, sheep are known to be very, quite dumb animals and all susceptible (laughs) to the wolves and everything. But I guess to kind of build on that metaphor, um, but yeah, no, I think it's important to, to call these things out. And if you are a young believer, or if you if you don't know your your you know doctrine yet, or or whatever it may be, if you're not well versed in the scriptures, it's very important to rely on a stable, uh, local, yeah. Yeah. personal Bible teacher mm-hmm. and and mentor yeah. before you kind of stray too much on the internet and on TikTok and on Instagram, where you're you're exposed to. Um, what people, what we like yeah. to say nowadays, hype over holiness, you know, Christian Christianity mm-hmm. is all about hype now and it's yeah. almost forsaken the holiness uh, aspect of it. Um, but no, right. I'm, I'm in the same boat as you, man. I, I, I mean, a few years ago, I thought very differently as well. If anything, mm-hmm. 
six months ago, I thought differently. I mean, right. like if I were to yeah, record, if I were, if I were to record that Calvinism episode again, like that I did six months ago today, <laughs> I would, I don't know. I'd be, I'd be, I'd have some different views, you know, cause I've, I've, yeah. my understanding of scripture has grown since then. And my understanding of, of, you know, the doctrines of grace and everything have, have, mm-hmm. have expanded since then. And, and, you know, the Lord has revealed right. to me a lot of things in scripture. Um, but you know, we're growing, but that, that was a sign of maturity. Mm-hmm. I know that in those six months I matured spiritually. I was yeah. reading the Bible mm-hmm. more consistently. Exactly. I was, um, and I think I mentioned, uh, I mentioned this, uh, on the episode with, uh, with Nate Toplian. um, it, it, same thing. Like in the last few months, I spent more time in the scripture. I had, I had this desire to be more in scriptures and that's mm-hmm. where we kind of learn. That's where we mature. Mm-hmm. And then not only do you, do you, um, you know, you move on in life and you grow and you mature, but you graduate to, I guess, when, when you, not only are you a disciple, but you start making disciples. You kind of graduate to that Amen. to that part. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's important. I think for young young believers out there, and I, I like the advice that you gave. Be be faithful to the, to the local church. Um, obviously, hopefully, you're you're in a good situation where you have solid right. Bible teaching. Uh, not yeah, everyone has right. that, but. Um, right. I would I would seek that out, and if you don't know, and if you can't differentiate, if you can't discern this early into your walk, obviously seek the guidance from the Lord, from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, but also ask ask around, ask people who you trust, uh, and 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 see see where you can go from there. But honestly, yeah. I I think that's really important. Yeah, I would even say to start in a sense, um, expecting and demanding from your teachers, from your youth leaders, from your pastors to be preaching the word of God in, in a more expository way. Um, and I say that because that's, that's really how you grow to know the full counsel of God. You know, well, we have a lot of times in our churches and it's not necessarily wrong. There's nothing wrong uh, in preaching topically in and of itself. But uh, what you begin to do is to preach and overemphasize certain aspects of Christianity and certain aspects of God at the expense of other things. And uh, one thing that really helped me is, is listening to preachers that would preach the gospel, would preach the word of God expositionally, meaning they would go through a book and, and preach through every single verse of that book. And in that way, you kind of ensure like, hey, I'm getting everything that the word of God says, you know, and, and you make your way through the Bible in that sense, having godly uh, interpretation, having godly people that are, are, are uh, explaining, you know, the word of God to you. So even demanding that from your local pastors and youth leaders, like, Hey guys, I want to know the, the word of God more. Like explain this to me, you know, explain what this passage means, you know, because I want to know, explain me the context, why, you know, why this is happening, why that's happening, you know, all these important things, uh, start demanding that from your local teachers. I think that would be a blessing you know? and, and that could be a blessing for them because then now they have to step their game up as well. You know? Oh yeah. You, you can't go wrong with expository preaching because it always reverts back to scripture. And when you revert back to scripture, um, right. it's basically, it's kind of like that, that, that lightness and darkness metaphor. You're, you're going to the light of scripture. And if you try to pervert it in any way, you will be exposed immediately. You will, you can't hide your, I mean, yeah. the target's going to be on you. However, when you kind yeah. of jump around and start preaching these topical sermons, and if you kind of expand on that and you kind of start introduce, it's, it's a lot easier under the guise, under the umbrella of topical sermons that to, to introduce, very slightly, very subtly, false mm-hmm. doctrines, and and, yeah, and, you, and you don't you don't explicitly state it, but you yeah. kind of imply it, and then you use an example, and then you do this, and you do that, and you get to a point where you like like a lot of these mega churches out there, where ninety five percent of your sermon is biblical truth, 
And the 5% is what you implicitly uh, introduced that continues Mm -hmm. to build and to build, and it's going to basically land you somewhere else in the future. So, you know, expository preaching may not be the most interesting Mm -hmm. to a young believer, but it is Mm -hmm. the best that you can receive. And I've definitely fallen in love with that. But um, let's, let's talk about, let's talk about specific stuff here. So, in your experience from from dealing with people, talking to people, um, going through social media, and seeing all the all of these teachings, what are the what are the most prominent false doctrines and false theologies that are circulating the network that it, that that are circulating um, the minds and the hearts of these millennial or Gen Z Christians? Yeah, man, that's a that's a really good question, and uh, I kind of have some notes here, and I kind of wrote down some things that were that I've always thought about. Um, there's kind of three main ones that I've written down. Uh, postmodernism, the emerging church movement, and pragmatism. And I don't even know exactly where to start because all three of those are important, but I guess I would maybe start with pragmatism in a sense where, um, and that's, I mean, that's such a broad topic, but pragmatism, basically what you see in a lot of churches nowadays is where uh, you seek to bring people into the church and to, gr- to grow your church and, and through all of these worldly means, you know, so you kind of start putting on a show and you kind of start, you, you might even see it through the preaching, for example, right? You'll have these churches that, yes, they start growing numerically, but all they're preaching, again, going back to the, to the topical sermons, they're preaching just on one aspect of God's love, right? And so they're preaching that because they know that people will come in and, and they'll love hearing that, you know, uh, and they'll continue to preach basically the same message again and again and again. And I would even go as far as to say, well, if you're just presenting this one aspect of who God is, and that's all your listeners know, you're actually not presenting the God of the Bible, you know, mm-hmm. like you have to present the full gospel, uh, the full counsel of God, uh, all of who God is, you know, if all you're talking about is just his love without his justice, without, you know, these other attributes, you're actually not even understanding love properly. And so there's all a whole host of problems that you begin to see uh, with pragmatism. It's all about growing your church, it's all about being hip. And you, you're seeing that a lot. You're seeing a lot of churches where even fashion is emphasized. Like you walk into some of these churches and you're not wearing, you know, the new Jordans and you're not, you know, <laughs> you know, you don't have that fashion. You're out of place, you know, because it's about, it's about that style. It's about being cool. It's about all those things, you know? Uh, and there's a whole, you know, then, then we go to the music, right? The music again, pragmatism. Why do we have the modern day worship music that we have today? If you look throughout church history, for example, you don't even have to go back that far. It's very different. It's very different. Why? Well, and I don't know how many of you guys saw the Hillsong uh, documentary that came out. I saw a little bit about it, but they were talking about how uh, it was pretty much Hillsong that started started introducing what we now know as worship music today. Um, and they were basically taking songs out of the world and just writing Christian music to it, you know, and they were trying to become hip and, you know, and to attract people. And you can say, well, it has good intentions. It's good. You know, look at what it produced. It produced a lot of people coming to the church. But look at Hillsong now, right? Look at Hillsong in New York. Look at how uh, the pastor from there fell. Look at, you know, the doctrines that they're teaching again, a very superficial Christianity. And, and you know, we can talk about a whole host of things. Well, it's like, okay, they grew numerically. How many of those people are actually saved, mm-hmm. you know? Because there's this other danger of, okay, you're growing numerically, you're having a, a, a lot of people come through your doors, but that actually could be a very negative thing. Why? Because now you're having people that are coming and they're believing because you've told them that now they're believers in Christ Jesus, right? Now they know who the God of the Bible is and they're thinking themselves to be saved. 
even though they don't know the actual gospel. Yeah. You know? And so now you've taken a man that is that is lost, and now he you've convinced him that he's a Christian. And so you know, you know who's harder to preach to? It is the person who believes that he's saved and isn't saved than the person that's lost in the world, right? Absolutely. And, and you're creating a bunch of people like that. That's not helpful, you know. So whenever you stray away from scripture and the way that the Bible does things, right? You try to introduce your own cleverness to it. You always end up in a ditch. Always. It might look promising in the beginning, but you end up in a ditch. And I think that's what we're seeing a lot in our churches. You have people that I think nowadays to name drop, hope that's okay. People like Stephen Furtick. Now people at this stage, we're not like, okay, Stephen Furtick is bad, right? But a year ago, not necessarily, right? A year ago, two years ago, people looked up to him. And we're talking about people in our own community, you know what I'm saying? And like, did he change? No. He, he didn't change. It's just that his doctrines are not coming to light. You know what I'm saying? And because we don't know scripture well enough, you know, because we're relying on the arm of the flesh rather than on the word of God, uh, these things aren't apparent to us, you know? And so, again, whenever you see people that rather than trying to be biblical, and of course, you have to know the word of God to be able to decipher this, but uh, people that are relying on human methods rather than scripture, that's a telltale sign, I think, you know. Absolutely, and, and it's totally appropriate to name drop because I'm a firm believer whatever is whatever happens, whatever is said in public should be addressed in public. And we're gonna we're, we'll talk a little bit about that later when it comes to how to handle and address false teachers within our own communities. Obviously, there's not much we can do to to the Furtics and the Johnsons of the world. Um, yeah. But I mean, instead, just like make podcasts about it and talk about it and, <laughs> and maybe they're yeah. not going to, they're never going to hear about it. But uh, obviously um, one thing we do have to recognize is all these big public figures, they 100% know that there's opposition to their teachings. Like there's not, you can't, right. there's articles about them. There's tweets about them. There's every, they, they know. And the problem is, and yeah. I, I, li- I, I listened, I watched this video of um you know one of one of my favorite pastors and preachers right now Costi Hinn who used to mm. who's the nephew of Benny Hinn obviously major yeah, prosperity uh yeah. preacher whatever um heretic if we can say um mm-hmm. absolutely and he and he he left that and he talked about th- th- really interesting in, in that 15 minute video that he made he said obviously there's Benny Hinn's going to hear about all of his opposition and all the people calling him a heretic but how they trans how the leadership translates that to the congregation. They say like, "Oh, I mean, the Bible talks about persecution. This is what the persecution is. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's it, they're attacking right. us because we're doing a good work and all that." Yeah. And and same thing with these major other figures and their followers. They're like, "Oh, these guys are just persecuting us. You know, you know, they have to come to the truth. All that. They think they're on the right side of the fence, but they've mm-hmm. strayed so much. I mean, so, they've strayed so far away from." Uh, biblical truth and, and what they were doing and, and what they're endorsing. And um, there's just a, a quote to what you were saying about pragmatism. Um, Dale Partridge always says, uh, what you win people with is what you win people to. Mm, yeah. And if you're going to win them oh, with really good. the, you know, the secular style of music and concert display, then you're going to win them to that. And guess what? As soon as you take that out of the, out of the church service, the, the, those people will be removed as well. So they're, I mean, at that point, obviously we know we can't save people with, with anything other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, but 
that's something to keep in mind. And and we have a lot of that going yeah. going around. And again, hype over holiness. That's that's what's yeah. being preached nowadays. And that and that's what the feel is nowadays for a lot of a lot of young believers. But um, I don't know if you wanted to touch on postmodernism as well, because I know that's that's a huge thing. Yeah, let me let me just say one more thing about uh, pragmatism. There's a quote I was reading a book. It said it pretty well. Um, let me see where, where I should start reading from. But uh, it says, uh, what shaped the church then far more than it does now was theological conviction about its character and purpose. What shapes it now far more than it did then is marketing ethos, right? And so the, the point that the author is making is, okay, think about capitalism in the United States, right? It's all about the consumer, all about the consumer. What does the consumer want? And if you can figure that out and then provide it to them, your business is going to grow substantially, right? Mm-hmm. And so what the church has done is copy that model, which is ridiculous, you know? Uh, what it was saying in the quote, it says, what shaped the church then was theological conviction about its character and purpose. So they were searching the scriptures and saying, okay, what? is the biblical mandate for a church. What is our character supposed to be about and what is our purpose here? Now, what you see a lot of churches doing is how can we grow? Well, we have a perfect model in the the business world, in the capitalism world, right? So let's copy that model. Let's figure out what the consumer wants and then give it to them. Well, the biblical mandate is let's figure out what God wants. And then because we love God and fear God, we're going to worship God in this way by doing exactly as his word commands us. And in fear of God, we're going to do that. Rather than trying to seek the opinion of evil men, try to uh, subdue ourselves to that. That, That's ridiculous, you know? And so you have these churches that grow big, and yet little of them are actually saved. And so we look at it, and it's like, wow, they're growing so much. They're obviously doing something right. Well, are they really growing with people that are saved and that know they're God? And I would say a lot of the times it's it's not. And and that's a a very big deal, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, so... uh, yeah, another another issue uh, would be postmodernism, and I think this one touches us a lot. Um, it's it's this relativism. It's this um, idea of right. There's this popular idea. I think I, I don't think it's as popular nowadays, but maybe 10, 20 years ago, of like don't judge. Christianity is all about not judging. You know, again, that's a misunderstanding of scripture. Uh, it's all about like we were talking about earlier. This false dichotomy between you either loving people or you're calling them out, you know, um, and that goes back to postmodernism. That goes back to uh, the influences of this world, you know, uh, allowing because you'll see that ideology in the world. Right. So and, and the, the scary thing is now you're seeing it in the church. And if you go back into your church, you didn't that necessarily. Right. And so you have to ask the question, well, why is that? And you go back to Romans chapter 12, the spirit of the sage. And the spirit of the sage is within our churches. You know, we have uh, church movements that are calling now anyone that uh, calls out any false doctrine or that that is so, um, you know, so passionate about the word of God and doing things biblically. They'll say that that's a spirit of religion. You'll hear that often in a lot of these church movements, right? Oh, they're just religious, right? They're just doing this out of the spirit of religion. And it's like, no, uh, I'm reading scripture. Uh, I'm seeing what God is telling me to do. And I'm trying to obey that. And I'm seeing everything that's out there in the world and the influences of this world. And I don't want to allow my mind to be polluted by that, right? And so uh, I think what that led to as well is the emerging movement. If you guys know anything about the emerging movement, I think it started in like the 90s. It was this whole idea about let's be more united, right? And so you had people of all sorts of different backgrounds. They prided themselves in being non-denominational, 
you hear that even today, people saying, oh, I'm non-denominational and they take that as a source of pride. I mean, I, I have nothing against that, but that doesn't, you ne shouldn't necessarily be, you know, prideful because of that, right? It, it's not a, a badge of honor in a sense, but you had that kind of started with the emerging church movement where people were saying, oh, I'm not going to be so dogmatic about doctrine. I'm not going to be so passionate about doctrine. Uh, I'm not going to care about these things so much. All I care about is love and unity, you know? And so you had these whole church movements that started off in the eyes of men, good in a sense, right? They were saying, let's unite around Christ, you know, let's, let's build a community. You still see that heavy emphasis, even in our churches, it's all about community, all about community, all about community. Community is good. But if community takes the place of the cross and of Christ and the essential doctrines of, of the word of God, like man's sinfulness and God's holiness and these things, then it becomes, you know, foolishness, right? And so the emerging church movement, you can see the traces of it in, in our church as well, where heavy emphasis on community at the expense of truth, right? Heavy emphasis on unity at the expense of truth. Uh, there's a passage that says, that commends us to be like-minded. And my question would be this, how are you to be like-minded? Are you to be like-minded by ignoring doctrine, right? Are you to be like-minded because you just ignore everything that the word of God says? Uh, I would say it, it looks more like Acts, Acts chapter 15, the council at Jerusalem, where people had differing ideas and where they came together in, in Acts chapter 15, it says they debated, they debated with one another and they came to a conclusion, right? About the word of God. They had different opinions and they came together and said, okay, let's see what the right thing is to do. And they, they, they argued, they, they reasoned together and they came to a conclusion, you know? And so the way to be sober-minded and the way to be like-minded, excuse me, is to actually come with our beliefs, to actually come with the word of God and to discuss these things, to discuss our differences. You know, it's not to ignore them. It's not to downplay them. It's not to downplay doctrine. It's actually to uphold doctrine and say doctrine is so important to us that we're going to come together and we're going to discuss and we're not going to leave this place until we come to a conclusion. That's to be like-minded. That's to be on the same level playing field. And that's how you achieve unity. You don't achieve unity. You don't achieve proper community when you're uh, not understanding the cross of Christ, when you're understanding who Christ is, you know? So uh, again, you see, I mean, kind of all over the place, but you see all of these different strands coming into the church and they're attacking us from every different angle. And, uh, and, and the thing is, they all go back to some sort of movement, you know, um, and, and you can kind of trace it back to postmodernism, this one specifically. Yeah, and, I, and all of these movements, and you can, I mean, I'm not even these Christian movements, but even these worldly and evil movements, um, like everything, uh, LGBT, uh, all these different sects of, and parts of, of uh, these of these Christian groups, Catholicism, everything, people who are trying to unite everything, it is all rooted yeah. in this, in the most demonic ideology that that was ever created. Yeah. And that's universalism. Right. That That's what it is. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know what universalism is, it's basically what they argue is that um, they're, they're basically attacking the most important aspect of the gospel and of scripture. And that mm -hmm. is not only, uh, Christ's substitutionary death and resurrection, but the fact that he is the only way to eternal yeah. life. And they're basically, they're basically saying, and I think their argument is that even for the evil people, uh, they say morally you have to be good in this world, and if you're bad, hell, the lake of fire is temporary, and then eventually everyone rises up to heaven. It's, it's that ideology. Mm -hmm. And they're saying mm -hmm. like, oh, I mean, that's why you see pride flags on the Methodist churches. That's why 
You're having, yeah. uh, you know, name drop Lecrae uh, supporting senators <laughs> who who support abortion and all, all these different yeah. things. By the way, at the at the time of this recording, two hours ago, or actually, yeah, about two hours ago, it was announced or it was leaked that the Supreme Court is uh, voting to overturn Roe v. Wade. So let's pray that that Hallelujah. continues. Um, Amen. But all these different things are are, are rooted in universalism, and and it's important to. Uh, to recognize and realize that it doesn't happen overnight. It starts with one, like I said, five percent false doctrine, and then yeah. uh, like, like the like the Hillsong effect, where you start introduce you're you're lightening up on one part of the worship, and then what happens uh, twenty years later? You have all these scandals, yeah. uh, these sex scandals from all the leaders across the world, and I mean that's not coincidental. You know, when you compromise one area of your life, don't don't expect not to compromise in the other areas eventually in time. And again, yeah. it, once you do that, then you're going to have guys like, you know, Marty Sampson, who was a big contributor to Hillsong uh, Worship, Hillsong Live, who now came out and said a couple of years ago saying he, that, that he, he has his doubts about God. He doesn't really believe in God because mm. how can a good God send people to hell? And yeah. I'm sorry if you if you do not know the answer to that question, you are not saved because then you do not yeah. understand the, the truth of the I mean, gospel. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, yeah. hearing through the word of Christ. If you have not heard the word of Christ, you don't understand the gospel. You you, you can't be saved. And if you don't know, right. if you can't answer that question, and if you again, if you're listening to this and you don't know the answer to that question, um, we are deserving of hell. It is our sin mm-hmm. that not only we are born into, but we commit every single day. It's our sinful nature yeah. that is deserving of hell. But it is Christ's substitutionary atonement for our sin through mm-hmm. the death and resurrection that that God looks onto us and regards us as if we've lived the life that Christ lived on this earth. Because of that, and that's the gospel. And and the thing is, yeah. when you're having these people awesome, not man. understanding that's that, so beautiful. Amen. if you have people not understanding that, then you're just letting this wildfire set ablaze and continue to grow. And then you see mm-hmm. the repercussions of that decades later. And we can't have that. And that's why it's important to to kind of tackle on that. But I do want to mention a couple of things, as I did come across an article recently um, talking mm-hmm. about the different types of false teachers in the church today. And um, mm-hmm. we can kind of go through them and we can comment on them, but um, mm-hmm. Uh, I'll just list them all, kind of like list all of them, talk a little about each one, just like a sentence or two, just because uh, it'll take forever if we like go in depth on each one. But right, the right. first first and foremost, we have the heretic, right? And this is the most prominent, and this is the person who basically preaches heresies, things that are against the Bible, things that are against the gospel, uh, things that are basically trying to devalue the name of Jesus Christ. So the heretic, mm-hmm. these are pretty easy to, to spot and to witness. The next type of false teacher is the charlatan. These are the people who try to do things for their own personal gain, who are trying to basically build their pockets, make money off off uh, the message of the gospel. And I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard a lot of people who do that as well. Uh, next, you have the prophet. Now, let me let me explain this. Um, basically, the prophet, quote unquote, prophet that I'm talking about, is the one who claims to be gifted mm-hmm. by God to speak fresh revelation outside of scripture um obviously we come from a romanian pentecostal background and and there are people you know bible believing christians out there who who you know believe that the those sign gifts were a time of the the past the time of the apostles in the first century and and, you know that's totally fine as well wherever you fall into that spectrum but 
Um, if you're preaching fresh revelation outside of scripture, that is heresy and you are a false teacher. Mm. You cannot preach right. outside of scripture. And if mm. there is a prophecy, if there is a, a word from the Lord, it always submits to scripture. If it is if it is disagreeing with scripture, it is not from the Lord because the Bible does not c- contradict itself and God will not contradict his word. So that's, that's the prophet. Uh, the next is the abuser. And this is what we've been seeing um, recently with uh, a lot of these uh, people out there who are not only asserting their power over people, but uh, even even in a in a sexual way, they're they're abusing people, and we we've seen mm-hmm. a lot of that happen. And again, this doesn't happen overnight. This starts with one compromise twenty years ago, and eventually leads to this. Um, you know, it, yeah. if for example, you know, there's the whole you know we're gonna name drop Brian Houston, who um, was allegedly caught in a hotel room with two women, mm-hmm. not his wife, and he was drunk. Well, you know what, man? If you if you were very against drinking or consuming alcohol twenty years ago, you would I bet you anything you would have never been in your in this position, you know? So it's kinda like yeah. as as that that is an example. Uh next you have the divider, and this is not the the, the divisive gospel that we believe in, because obviously we know mm-hmm. that the gospel is divisive between sheep yeah. and wolves, as we mentioned earlier. Uh but yeah. this is someone who um, uses false doctrine to disrupt and destroy a church. Typically, um, they what they try to do is they try to spin very minor doctrine mm. and kind of have their own legalistic spin to it so that uh, yeah. there's uproar within the church. And I'm sure if you guys come from a Romanian Pentecostal background, I bet you anything you have uh, a person in mind <laughs> uh, when you're when you're thinking of your church. <laughs> the next one is it's funny how they write it in this uh, in this article the tickler, and this is the person who basically likes to please. His people please the church and yeah. will bend at their every need and uh, conform right. to whatever they ask for. So don't need to explain that too much. And the last one is the speculator. And this is the one um, who preaches novelty and trivia, uh, trivial messages. And this is the one that, mm-hmm. that the book of Hebrews talks about when it's strange teachings. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of the different doctrine or the counter doctrine. or And, and, and this is dangerous because... Y- you basically appeal to the culture and you can you can land like a million miles away at the end of the road yeah. so Absolutely. those are the seven types and i just like we have to recognize those people if you, if you fall into any of these yeah. categories we have to address that mm-hmm. absolutely did you want to go over the the seven types for not really, just because I feel like if we did, I think one epi- we could do like one episode yeah, for man. each and every single one. But I just kind of wanted to talk about it because um, obviously we, we can spot out the heretic easily. Like I said, they, they, they state things explicitly, but there are different types of false teachers and we need to make sure, you know, yeah. and, and the charlatans, the ones who do things for monetary gain, um, I mean, the world hates them the most because... They think the church, uh, they paint, they painted the church in such a bad way that people think that the church is just trying to get your money. And then, I mean, the list goes mm-hmm. down and, and we see that coming to light. And, and, and the Bible says in the end days, and I'm sure you've got your scriptures there too, uh, written down, but in the end days, a lot of false teachers and a lot of false prophets yeah. will rise up and, and preach their right. own agenda. And now we're seeing it all, all seven of these types of people. Yeah. And, uh, it's, yeah. it's definitely, uh, an issue, but kind of going to this last portion of this episode, the probably one of the most important aspects of it. Uh, now that we kind of talked about identifying mm-hmm. false teachings, we talked about different types of false teachings, we, talk, we talked about different types of false teachers. How do we as Christians address this issue? Let's say you're, 
you're you're a member in a church and you recognize some false teaching. We we can we can talk about different scenarios. Whether it's a local church and you have access to that person, direct access, or maybe it's a it's a it's a big public figure that a lot of your friends and people in your community are following and promoting, and he's a false mm-hmm. teacher, or uh, or she's a false teacher. You know, like because yeah. we have a lot of uh, yeah. you know self ordained women out there uh, yeah. trying to trying to trying to basically assume ecclesiastical <laughs> authority over over mm. people so uh, we know what the bible says about that but how do we how do we handle how do we address this issue uh, there's a lot of things to say on that uh and i'll address the issue but allow me right before we do that just say one more thing sure, uh, go it's ahead. a good quote and i just want to say it. uh here's a quote and i'll quote it most evangelicals today seem to think any earnest polemical engagement with error is inherently uncharitable one of the few dogmas that postmoderns will permit is the idea that settled certainty especially with regard to spiritual matters, is inherently inherently arrogant. So the quote is talking about is, again, this idea of postmodernism where, again, if you are dogmatic, if you're certain about something that is in Scripture and call out anybody else, uh, they're saying a lot of times you're accused of being inherently arrogant. You know, It goes on to say, but today's evangelicals actually seem to prefer ambiguity to clarity. They like it when the trumpet gives an uncertain sound. So pure critiques are taboo. So basically what the quote is trying to say is, if you have someone that stands up and gives the clear gospel message, a lot of times you'll have people that don't like it because it's it's so clear and because the nature of, of the word of God is exclusive, right? Mm-hmm. Meaning what? There's one truth and everything else is therefore wrong, right? And so that kind of creates uh, some tension, right? Um, and that us as people, we're going to look at scripture, right? That tells us to, to call out these people. But to answer your question, um, there's different types, right? We're discussing... Uh, beforehand, how you would handle it if if a babe in Christ would were to be wrong about something? Obviously, that's going to be completely different as opposed to someone that has been in the ministry for decades long that has been maybe even repeatedly addressed, like, "Hey, you're preaching this false doctrine; you should stop," and continues to do so. Right? Those are two totally different types of people, so you would approach them differently. Um, I know John Piper had some 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 things to consider uh, when it when it comes to this question, and he was saying. You know, uh, one of the things to consider is the seriousness of uh, the heresy or the seriousness of the wrong doctrine that they're preaching, right? Uh, if it's so serious that it is damaging, right, that it crosses the lines between, you know, just being wrong about something, a secondary issue, and, and being inherently wrong, uh, then it needs to be addressed for the sake of the bride of Christ. Uh, then you would have to take into account the size of the audience. Audience. This is what John Piper is saying. You know, how many people are actually listening to it, right? If there's a lot of people listening to it, then you should probably address it. You know, if he has a large platform, you should probably address it on a larger platform, right? If it's, you know, a couple of guys in your Bible study group, then obviously you, would, you wouldn't, you know, make an Instagram story about it, right? You know, you would address it there, right? Um, the duration, right? Is this guy has been, this guy been in the ministry for decades long or is this guy new to the faith, right? In which case you would take him aside if he's just new in the faith and you would kind of correct him. But uh, let's use an example. Um, I think one of the reasons why you probably even called me to this, um, to do this podcast is because of that Instagram story that I did. And, uh, that story blew up, man, but I became very passionate about it because, um, you know, this person Fomenko, um, is someone that has become even dear to a lot of Romanians, right? So in our own community, people are looking up to this guy. And so it's one thing to be wrong about secondary issues and things like that, but, his whole thing is that you can reach a state of, of, in a sense, perfectionism where you're no longer a sinner, where you're no longer sinning. Now, that's 
that's a basic tenet of Christianity, right? If you reject that, I can't call you a brother in Christ, right? If you reject that essential doctrine. So we have to specify between orthodoxy, which are the basic tenets of the Christian faith, right? And then secondary issues, right? If we're going to have a disagreement about like batiks, you know, like you're a brother in Christ and I love you still, right? Even though we might have different opinions. But if you're going to go after, for example, who Christ is, if you're going to go after uh, the sinfulness of man, these are non-negotiable, non-negotiables, right? And, and these things matter. You have, for example, the book of First John. Why was it written? It was written because you had a group of Gnostic believers, uh, so-called believers, that believed uh, that, that Christ uh, that there was basically Gnostics believe that there was a, a difference between uh, physical body and, and the spiritual. And so they didn't believe in, in the Christ that we know today, that he was fully God and fully man. Right. They also believe that they had these uh, crazy experiences, uh, these supernatural experiences. And so uh, they were saying all sorts of things. And they were saying exactly what Fomenko was saying, that you can reach a state in which you're no longer sinning. So that's why you look, you read through first John and you see these for us uh, very basic statements. Right. Like uh, if, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar, right? And you're not of God, right? Well, that was written for a specific audience because there were people at the time saying these things, right? For us to read that verse, it's like, of course. Yet, we see it today. We see it today. You see it today in people that are, are looked up to. And, and, and for me, it's very similar. What we're seeing in First John and what we're seeing in this movement with Fomenko specifically, right? Claims to the supernatural, Right. You look to them and like, oh, man, they're genuine. They're sincere. There's some sort of spirituality there. It's, it's, it's so good in our eyes. And yet they could be so deadly wrong about such a thing. And for, for modern day thinkers, postmodern thinkers that are influenced by postmodernism, the response to that is, well, they're wrong about this. But look, they're genuine and they're sincere. So we're going to give it a pass. But if you look scripturally, if you look scripturally, uh, the Bible takes a hard stance on these things. And if you allow me, I'll I, I go to Galatians chapter one and I'll read a couple of verses if you don't mind. Um, let's do that. Let me, let me give me a second to just turn there to Galatians chapter one to see the attitude uh, that the Bible has when it comes to wrong teaching about orthodoxy, about the basic tenets of the Christian faith, right? So Galatians chapter one, and I'm going to read verses six through nine. This is what it says. This is Paul speaking. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the ones we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, now I say again, if anyone is preaching to a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. So look what Paul's saying in, in, in this short passage. Uh, to kind of give some context, the people that Paul was speaking about, was they were called Judaizers. And they believed, they believed in Christ. They believed in everything that the other believers believed in, except they added this. They said, yes, you are saved by belief, by faith in Christ, but also you must be circumcised. And so... Today, we might look at that and say, well, I mean, they're still Christians, right? I mean, they believe in Christ. But they're just adding a little bit onto it. Yet Paul in this passage says this, you are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and distort the gospel of Christ. So Paul takes a, a, an extreme perspective on this, right? He's saying, look, these guys are attacking the orthodoxy, the basic tenets of the Christian faith. And by doing that, they're anathema. They're damned. So that's a hard stance, right? Again, we're not talking about secondary issues. We're talking about the basic tenets of the Christian faith. And so going back to First John, look, you can claim to have these experiences, these supernatural experiences. You can claim to be sincere. You can claim to, you know, but you can be sincerely wrong, 
right? I know Buddhists that are very sincere, that are very nice people, but they're going to hell according to our religion, right? I know Muslims, the same thing, very sincere, very nice people, but they're not saved because they're nice people. They're not saved because they're sincere. They're going to hell because they're, they're not placing their faith in Jesus Christ. And so these are salvation issues in a sense. It, they're distorting the gospel. And when you have someone like this that's prominent now, maybe not in our community as of yet, but that is certainly influencing our community that says uh, that don't believe in the sinfulness of man. Well, that's that's a big deal. That's a huge deal. And so that's why I even went on Instagram and, and you know made that story public and, and all this stuff because this is things, these are things that you need to call out, right? Yeah, and, and like the whole thing with the public, what's you know what happens in public needs to be addressed in public and you know private and private. Um, a lot of us, you know, the Bible talks about church discipline and, and maybe conflict within brothers, um, yeah, or maybe like, like a, a specific sin that a brother commits, and and there's a whole process right. where you address it right. privately, and then you get the pastors right. involved, and then you bring them before the church. And then the, the the final step is basically you treat them as if they were not a part of you. You know, you you cast yeah. them out. But that's right. that's regarding church discipline. That's with sin. That's if a if a, a pastor or a brother has a, has either sinned against you or has a secret sin and this and that, and they're disregarding advice. That is quite different than false teachings. False. Yeah. A lot of us think and and uh, and and I know a lot of Christian pastors, You know. Pastors out there, Christian influencers who have sound doctrine, sound theology, but they've gotten to the point where they're so they're popular enough where they're they tread very lightly on on these false uh, teachers and and uh, mm-hmm. it's I'm like we, we can't do that. Yeah. I remember when um, when Mike Todd spit in that guy's face, you know, pretty much spit in his mm-hmm. hand and rubbed in the guy's face, like the stupidest yeah. thing I've ever seen in my life. Like that is pure yeah. stupidity. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. mean, sure. And obviously, Mike Todd's not a you know he's not a great Bible teacher as well. He kind of does his own thing, and he, I'm Definitely pretty sure not. he falls in the category of pragmatism. Um, oh yeah. But I mean, and I know like Bible believing Christians who I was kind of like looking through like Twitter and Instagram to see how they would respond to it, and they were very neutral about it. They're like, oh, like people like like men pastors that I respect say like. You know, we don't. I don't always align with what you know. My, he's a friend of mine, but we don't always align with everything we agree. On, uh, like we, we teach on and this and that, but like like a very neutral response where he mm-hmm. refused to call him out. Yeah. I don't know what the what the motive was. I mean, I don't want to put words in people's mouth or thoughts in their heads, but a lot of it's probably to preserve their image and not lose followers and not be deemed as mm-hmm. a hater by by these either. Mm-hmm. Um, immature Christians or secular people who are mm-hmm. disguising themselves as Christians because they're part of some hype mm-hmm. kind of movement, but that is wrong. And and I was listening and I and I mentioned to the this to you uh, before we started recording. Um, Owen Strand, Professor Owen Strand, who is uh, mm-hmm. a professor at Grace Bible Theological Seminary in Arkansas, but he's also the host of the podcast The Antithesis. A very well educated man, um, reformed uh, believer. Uh, he, mm-hmm. he had this podcast episode last week about the negativity that we live in today, uh, the negative right. forces that we fight against as Christians today. You know, we're no longer in the neutral times, or I would say the relative nu- neutral times of the 80s and 90s, where you know everyone and their mom was a Christian, everyone would go to church on Sunday, and it was okay to profess Christ, uh, even mm-hmm. even in the 50s, even whatever decade you want to pick. Now. We're in a negative culture where people are trying to paint Christians as the bad guys, as the antagonists. But unfortunately, many believers, including 
pastors, including major Christian figures, are still choosing to remain neutral in a negative environment. And we cannot yeah. do that. And I think that should yeah. be the motive for um, how we how we handle this whole false teachings situation, mm-hmm. how we identify it, how we how we um, plan our course of action, how we address it, and the fact that we should address it at all costs, even at the expense mm-hmm. of our own reputation amongst mm-hmm. the world. Because I'm sorry, we're not trying to impress the world. You know, we're trying to yeah. uh, serve and please God in, in in our ministry. But we cannot, and I encourage and. and this should, this should be like the the call to action for all you listeners out there. The the thing, if you want to be left with something, be left with this. We're in a negative world out there where Christians are not held to a high regard. And if you're a Christian that is held to a high regard, you are a uh, false teaching and false professing Christian. Because you should not be, uh, if you're preaching the true gospel, the world is supposed to hate you. I mean, Jesus yeah, Jesus even said, it, you, you will be hated for my namesake. You will be persecuted yeah. for my namesake. They will hate you because they hated right. me first. That's what Jesus said. And if they're promoting you, if you're if you're getting all this, uh, you know, talk show time, and if you're if you're teaming up with secular artists and you're you're making a ton of money and you're doing all these different things, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm I'm going to be que- I'm going to be very questionable of you. And as soon as that, mm-hmm. that thing rises to the surface, as soon as that scandal comes up, it'll be revealed to the world what kind of person you yeah. truly were. So I encourage everyone out there: if you hear something false. And you know that it's false. Don't be neutral about it. I mean, yes, yeah. you will still be saved. Yeah, it's not going to affect your salvation, even if it's even if it's primary doctrine and you refuse to say anything. Uh, yeah, you can act in fear, but we are called to defend the truth. We we're called to uh, the apologetics. We, we should know how to yeah. do it because if not, how are we supposed to lead people? But I don't know. That's that's yeah. kind of been my conviction as of recently. Uh-huh. Yeah, and if you love God and love His Word, you 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 can have this conviction to speak up and to say something about it, right? Absolutely. But I would make this claim. I would make this claim. Uh, just speaking in general terms of modern day Christianity, I think I would say this: If Christ were here, the Christ of the Bible that we read in the Gospels, and He was walking like He did two thousand years ago, a lot of us would look to Him and say, "Well, He's being unChrist-like." That's what we would say of of Christ. I, I really do believe that because mm-hmm. you know every time. Going back to what you were saying about the, those pastors and what they were saying about my talk, it goes back to postmodernism because it's seen as not loving and not Christ-like to, to say anything negative, to call out anything. Yet, if we look at Christ, right, especially when we came to other religious leaders, he was on the front foot. I mean, he was he was extremely harsh, in a sense, with these false teachers. You know, he called it the Pharisees, you brood of vipers, basically saying, you guys are devils, little devils running around, you know? He was harsh in a sense. And so if we're going to be Christ-like, well, let's be Christ-like in everything that he does, right? And let's call out anything that is contrary to the word of God. And and so we would have to do that. Yeah, and even in, uh, I believe it's John chapter 8, Jesus says that you are of your father, the devil, to the Pharisees. Right. Because they were claiming, like, oh, we are sons of Abraham, this and that. He's like, no, that's not the case. And uh, not only that, I mean, kind of addressing the point you made a little before that, but Paul even says, Apostle Paul even says, not all of you should strive to be teachers and pre, you know, mm. teachers because you're going to be held yeah. to a higher standard. You're going to be judged more strictly, yeah. more harshly, and yeah, we're seeing the repercussions of that yeah. now. You know, it's not, it shouldn't be something we should, uh, not not something that we should. I'm not saying we shouldn't be excited about it, but um, it shouldn't be overly coveted in a certain sense because it's it's a huge responsibility. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You, I mean, yeah. I, I remember there was a. 
Um, and this is how I actually started following Dale Partridge on Instagram, if, like like four years ago or so. Um, uh-huh. But there was this pastor, one of the pastors at Harvest here in Southern California, or out of the main, one of the main campuses here in Southern California, who uh, committed suicide. Uh, mm. And everyone was, I mean, obviously it's a sad thing, but everyone was kind of sad and mopey about it. And then Dale said, like, he had this controversial opinion where he's like, I'm sorry, if, you, if, you're, if you're a pastor who's struggling with, with certain sins or really struggling with depression, you should take it upon yourself. You should be self-aware to the point where you take it upon yourself to step down for a season. And that's your yeah. responsibility. Yeah. And he got so much hate yeah. for that. I'm like, and I, right. and I saw that and I'm like, but it's this true. guy's legit. Like, I, like he's standing for the truth <laughs> at the expense yeah. of his own, of his own name, reputation. of his own reputation, but he stood yeah. for what was right. And obviously it was a sad situation, but that yeah. doesn't mean you neglect the truth. So different things like yeah. that. It's you're in a position of power. You have heavy influence. You should be very, very careful. Mm-hmm. If not, you should definitely be expecting that people are going to come up to you. And, uh, you know, you and I, we both preach in our respective churches. But, I, I mean, I, I would hope if people had a problem or people saw a certain issue or fallacy, God forbid, I, I you know, we're, we're, not, we're not as careful. But if that happens, we would appreciate the feedback, the criticism to, yeah, to kind of reevaluate, man. to go back to say, hey, absolutely, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm right. not here to serve my own purposes. I'm not here to deepen my mm-hmm. pockets. I'm not here to right. abuse. I'm, I'm I'm here to serve God, and I humbly do so because I am His servant and I am Your servant, and that should mm-hmm. be the the attitude and mentality that we have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a fearful thing to preach, yeah. right? And 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 I would say that one of the issues that we have in our churches is this lack of reverence for the pulpit, mm-hmm. and I think that shows our lack of reverence for the Word of God, uh, because we kind of allow. Anybody that's aspiring, anybody that's kind of genuine and kind of growing, let's just throw them up at the pulpit. But but think about the nature of preaching, right? Like think about what you're doing when you're at the pulpit. You're basically standing in the place of God himself, preaching God's word to God's bride, right? And you're saying, this is what God is saying, right? So that's a fearful thing. You don't want to get that wrong. You know what I'm saying? And and so we we often say that we value scripture highly, but if that were the case, we would also therefore value the pulpit very highly as well, right? And uh, unfortunately, one of the things that I think we see a lot of times is we'll just throw anybody up there. Um, and that's that's not, I don't think that's the way that scripture tells us to do it, right? Uh, if you want to see someone grow, the way that you grow, someone that's young in the faith is not, you don't just throw them up in, at the pulpit with the hope that they're going to start studying the Bible and, you know, along the way they'll grow. But you sit down with them, you disciple them, you teach them the word of God. And if they grow to that point where they are, in a sense, ready for the pulpit, then you put them at the pulpit, right? So, Anyways, that's kind of a tangent, but uh, I'm pretty passionate about that as well. I think it's a very important point. Oh, well, yeah. And that's an issue that's very particular to, to our community, to the Romanian Pentecostal community yeah, here in the States. Right. Um, most churches don't really have that. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of weary against that, too, just because um, you have conflicting points, conflicting teachings. Right. You have, I mean, people preaching once every six months to kind of fill the rotation and then I mean, yeah, you're not yeah. going to improve at that point. So, I mean, I have my own right. reservations about that. Um, and, right. I mean, obviously, it's it's not against Scripture to have m- many preachers within the same church. But mm-hmm. I, I don't yeah. know. My belief is, and this is what I've been seeing a lot with uh, these faithful churches I've been following, but when, whenever you have two really good preachers within one church, typically the senior member disciples the junior one to go plant his own church somewhere else. I mean, that's mm. the mentality right. we should have. We should be planting churches. Yeah, We should be going true. to the the most spiritually oppressed areas of the country or even of the world 
and planting churches. I mean, that's what the apostles mm-hmm. did. Um, they went, mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't stay. I mean, a couple of them were, were martyred according to tradition, um, you know, in Israel, but I mean, India, Ethiopia, uh, I forgot the couple other ones, but they went to these pagan areas and, uh, it was actually said to, I think it was, I believe it was, um, it was Matthew who, who was martyred in Ethiopia, but he is the reason why there is such a large Christian uh, population and why it's considered a Christian nation in, in Ethiopia. The, I think the, I believe the only country in Africa um, who's considered a Christian nation because obviously the apostle went over there, did his work, was martyred for it, but then um, you know God used uh, the fruits of his labor to to grow that nation. You know, mm-hmm. even two thousand years later. But but you know different things like that. But again. That's a tangent. Exactly, That's something yeah. where uh, we have to address on our own, you know, because uh, it's yeah. You know, we'll yeah, see yeah, how right, this right. how this transition happens, uh, you know, remaining to English. But uh, that's besides the point. But Robbie, we've talked a lot about a lot of things. We've addressed a lot of things. Um, maybe we talked about things that we weren't planning to say, and maybe we left some things out. But yeah, as we wrap definitely. up this episode, what's one thing you want to leave the listeners with? What's one thing that's uh, really like that's been a burden on your heart that's been convicting for you that you really want to urge and encourage uh the people out there listening um i mean man i wanted to go through so much scripture and i think we kind of uh didn't get an opportunity to do that i think that's always best uh and if i had one final thing to say i would uh if you would allow me i would just choose to go through one passage yeah go for um it. that kind of i don't know that kind of maybe will help us uh it's found in romans chapter 16 uh, verses 17 and 18. And this is what it says. I appeal to you brothers to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles. Uh, and I just want to stop there for a second, because when you're first reading that, uh, the first thing that you, it comes to mind is maybe someone that's maybe dogmatic or passionate about certain things and says, uh, sometimes you portray them as being legalistic or right. Or like, you know, people that believe in something a lot. And so we'll, 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 we'll be quick to consider that person divisive. Right. But look what it says. It says to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Right. So in what way are they causing division and in, in, in creating obstacles by teaching something that is not of sound faith. Right. In that way. And then it says this, avoid them. Right. So there's clear instructions for us in what to do. Uh, verse 18. And this is what, this is so important for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they receive, they deceive the hearts of the naive. And so this is what I would say, really, is verse 18. By, it says, by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. And so I would ask us this question. Uh, we say we love the word of God. How much time are we in the word of God to study the word of God? Are we like the Barians that every time there's uh, a sermon, we're, 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 we're testing it upon scripture? First John, I think chapter four says to test all the spirit, right? To test every spirit to see if it is from God or not. And, and it's interesting that it says by smooth talk and flattery, right? Another passage, I think Second Corinthians or something like that, it says that the devil masquerades as an angel of light and so do his servants, right? And so the idea there is that it's not going to be very easy for us to spot it, right? We have to be vigilant. We have to be in the word of God in order to spot these things. And there are going to be people that have smooth talk, right? And if we're, as it says, naive, right? If we're not on guard against these things, we will be tricked. Right. So uh, that's what I would say is, is to really uh, test everything in your lives. Uh, be hungry for the word of God. Right. If anything comes, if you hear anybody say anything, uh, maybe they're actually right. Well, test if they're right. And, and maybe you're the one who has to repent. 
be eager to repent because if you repent on towards good doctrine, you are growing in Christ likeness. You're growing in your love for Christ. And that's a beautiful thing. So uh, in, in multiple ways, I would say, uh, let's return to scripture. Let's be, let's be doctrinal, right? Uh, let's, let's value the word of God. And in this way, we can grow. In this way, we can spot out who are false. And, and in this way, our churches will flourish. So that's what I would say. Yeah, that's that's an excellent point. You know, making sure that we are humble enough to recognize when we're wrong and to test everything because right. that'll just yeah. prove our vigilance and our and our reverence for for God and His Word. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, Robbie. Man, it was a great episode. I know we kind of maybe didn't mention all the scriptures we wanted to mention, uh, but yeah, as we talked about it before, it was very conversational. So you kind of like go yeah. with the flow of the conversation, oh, and then you look it. at the time, and it's like, whoa, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time flies when you're having fun, you know, and I think it was a very fruitful conversation. <laughs> so thank you so much for, for yeah. being on here and thank you for your wisdom. I think, thanks for having me, man. It was an honor, honestly. Perfect. And if anyone, uh, and I do this for all the guests on my episodes, but if people want to find you uh, on the internet, where can they find you? Bro, I'm a simple man, like I said before. I just, I mean, I have an Instagram, uh, Roby Teeth, and that's my Instagram handle. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Nothing crazy. So. Just giving you the opportunity in case someone wants to come up and uh, <laughs> start start asking questions about you know whether or not there right, right, right. certain public figures are um, you know false teachers. Um, obviously, hopefully, it's yeah. nothing any more aggressive than that. But uh, thank you, thanks again right. for being on, and thank you, uh, listeners out there, for tuning in. Uh, thank you for your pe- your patience and your grace. I know it's been a little while. Uh, it's just it's. It's hard to, to kind of push something out every week. Uh, just things come up. Uh, Easter season just passed. So that was that was very busy for, for me personally. Uh, but I appreciate you guys, uh, your guys' support. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Just a couple of quick notes before we, we send off. But um, again, you can follow us for any and all updates on our Instagram account, at The Potter's House. Um, we have multiple streaming platforms, most notably Apple Podcasts and Spotify where you can uh, rate, you can leave a five-star review on either one of those. And for Apple Podcasts, you can leave a written review. And if you do, I will leave, uh, I will read that out loud on the show. So thanks again, you guys, for tuning in. Hopefully this conversation was fruit for you guys, uh, fruitful for you guys. Hopefully it was um, it was able to shed some light on, on current situations. And if you have any questions regarding false teachings and and public figures and and what like as Robbie was mentioning earlier what uh, foundational orthodoxical Christian tenets out there are uh, versus the secondary doctrine uh, feel free to reach out I'm always uh, willing to respond um, you know to both uh, positive feedback and constructive criticism so uh, thank you guys for that and if you want to do that please feel free I'm open to that so thank you guys so much again for tuning in and we will see you next time.